You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's Recode Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Today, you'll be hanging out with our friends from the Unexplainable podcast. And let's just say, if you've ever wondered what we would do if an asteroid were on a collision course with Earth, you're about to get some answers. Hollywood's got a long tradition of making movies about huge stuff crashing into Earth. There's Armageddon. You want to send these boys into space? Fine. I'm sure they'll make good astronauts. They don't know jack about drilling. There's Deep Impact. We get hit all the time by rocks and meteors, but the comet we discovered is the size of New York City. And there's the most recent entry to the canon, Don't Look Up. You cannot go around saying to people that there's a 100% chance that they're going to die. You know, it's just nuts. But this kind of thing isn't just relegated to science fiction. Our science editor, Brian Resnick, says this is a problem that scientists and even government officials have been taking seriously for decades. Congress actually got this huge wake-up call when it comes to celestial objects smashing into planets. Uh, This was in 1994, and this was the year scientists actually witnessed a comet heading straight for Jupiter. Amateur astronomers all over the world are craning their necks up to the heavens to see a collision of a disintegrating comet with the planet Jupiter. For the first time, astronomers could actually look and see what happens when one of these, like, giant comets hits a planet directly. You know, nobody knew for sure what might happen. Uh, and so everybody was was waiting to see, will these pieces just disappear into Jupiter's atmosphere or will there be something cool to see? This is Kelly Fast. She was a research astronomer at the time and she was there. She was watching this really epic moment in 1994. We know when and where these pieces are going to hit Jupiter. Let's get the telescopes of the world ready to watch this to see what kind of science we can do. Yeah, this is the latitude that we're looking for something right there. There was a number of different groups uh, uh, at this observatory, and so a real kind of, almost like a a conference party type atmosphere going on. Everybody just excited about the science. And then, and then they saw it. Oh boy, um, it, it was amazing. It's a dynamic planet. Things are changing all the time, but not in that way. <laughs> this comet had broken up before impact, so it was just multiple pieces slamming right into Jupiter. Material kind of shot back up and up into the atmosphere into this big like umbrella plume uh, that would then drop back down onto the atmosphere from Jupiter's gravity. And so, uh, and then that uh, heated up the upper atmosphere. This comet, it was about two kilometers wide, so like a mile, um, which is less than a quarter of the size of the object that wiped out the dinosaur. 
universe. But if this comet had hit Earth instead of Jupiter, like, we're talking about like an extinction-level event. Like This would have been a global catastrophe. But it also was uh, sort of that wake-up call that, you know what, impacts are still happening in the solar system. And it wasn't just scientists watching this huge collision on Jupiter. Congress actually like perked its ears up, too, and decided to do something. The threat posed by Earth orbit-crossing asteroids and comets has long been a concern of mine and of the committee. The Science Committee has proposed augmenting funding for this important effort. Congress tasked NASA to really just find any objects that could pose a threat to the Earth. This eventually led to what's called the Planetary Defense Coordination Office, and this is where Kelly works today. It's finding asteroids before they find us, and then maybe getting them before they get us. <laughs> I'm Noam Hassenfeld, and this week on Unexplainable, can we find out where all the asteroids and comets are and whether they're heading towards us? And if we do find one, can we actually do anything about it? Okay, so Brian, what did Congress actually do once they got worried about a comet maybe coming to kill all of us? Yeah, so after this huge collision on Jupiter, uh, Congress actually asked NASA to look for comets, asteroids, anything larger than a kilometer that could collide and hit with the Earth. Uh, not just looking for anything in the solar system, but things called near-Earth objects, which, you know, would be in our, like, solar neighborhood. Yeah, so, so how do they actually map these asteroids? Are they basically, like, I don't know, just taking a telescope and randomly pointing it at spots in space and seeing if they find stuff? Yeah. Scientists use telescopes on the ground. They use telescopes in space. And basically, when you when you look at the sky, the, the stars are fixed points. But then you keep taking images and you find there's that one star that keeps appearing in a different place with every image. That's how they're found. You're looking for a moving point of light against the stars. This is a difficult problem for a few reasons. Your telescopes, your telescopes only go so faint and so there might be some fainter or more darkly colored asteroids out there that aren't reflecting as much sunlight. But also, like, we need to catch them at the right place at the right time. So there could be things that are just, like, hidden from our view because they're on the other side of the sun. They could be very far out in the solar system and on their way in, and we just can't see them yet. The Earth is going around the sun, like going around the racetrack, and all the asteroids are, are going around the sun, going around the racetrack. And there are times where... You know, you can see the asteroids, certain asteroids from Earth, if they're if they're close enough and, and bright enough and you have the right capability. But then there are times when asteroids are over on the other side of the sun from where you are on Earth. I guess I would think of asteroids as just sort of like space rocks zooming across space like in a straight line. And maybe like some will pass Earth and go by us and some will hit us. But you're saying... They're all on their own orbits around the sun? Yeah, yeah. So you don't have, like, you're, like, most of the way there. That Like, yes, Okay. asteroids will zoom across the solar system, but then they're still reined in by the sun. It's not that different than, like, a planet. So mm -hmm. um, an asteroid can, like, kind of pass the path of the Earth, and then, like, eventually, sometime later in a different orbit, it could pass again and pass closer you kind of still have to wait for the solar system to refresh itself and to bring them around. 
Mm, just like make a bunch of loops. And if we look, what, four or five loops in the future, maybe we could see it's going to crash into us. Yeah, I mean, there's a limit to how far in the future we can like reasonably guess. But yeah, for mm-hmm. for for the most part, like this is what they try to do. They try to see where these objects are. They try to predict the path of their orbits, what they'll look like on their next pass around the sun and, and just ask like, and on any of these loops around the sun, are they coming very close to Earth? And do we know if any huge asteroids are going to hit us anytime soon? So some good news here. <laughs> these okay. these huge kilometer, like kind of like planet doomsday asteroids. NASA says they found more than 95% of them. And like no. more, more good news <laughs> is that like, you know, tracking their orbits into the future. None of these are going to be a threat, at least within the next hundred years. How do they know... Like, how many total asteroids there are? You said they found 95%. What about the other five? How do they know those are out there? The short answer is that they keep finding them. Okay. If you keep seeing new ones every single year, (laughs) that can give you an idea of how much there are left to find. It's kind of like, so imagine you're fishing in a pond and you're, you're catching fish and you're tagging them and then you're putting them back in the pond. So if you keep catching the same fish, you can reasonably conclude you've probably seen all the fish in the pond or most of them. But if you keep catching new fish that you haven't seen before, like you can then model from there like how many must still be in the pond, just like on the rate of discovery. If, if your catalog keeps growing, you know you're not there yet. When it starts really leveling off, then you can kind of feel a little better. <laughs> okay, so are we good then? Like if we found all the big asteroids out there, can I just stop worrying about asteroids? No, 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 not really. Because I, I think this is like the real story about asteroids that like really gets us away from the Hollywood version into like the real problem that scientists and the world has to deal with. You say find all the asteroids. As you get smaller and smaller in size, there's more and more of them. So at first, they were just asked to look for all the asteroids that are a kilometer or, or larger. And then in 2005, uh, Congress asked NASA to look for anything 140 meters and larger. And 140 meters is like the size of a skyscraper. I guess you can call them medium-sized asteroids, but I would not want to be up close near one. And I would, you know... Uh, what would that do if it hit Earth? Would that be an extinction event or, or you less know, than it wouldn't end life on Earth, but it would be like it would be a huge catastrophe. Like they, they, these are sometimes dubbed city killers. So if if one hit a populated area, it could flatten a city, create a huge airburst explosion, eject material from the earth that would then like rain down. Like really an event that I think would be remembered throughout history as one of the great catastrophes on Earth. Okay, so so how many of these sort of medium-sized asteroids has NASA found? There's a concerning amount of them. So um, of the 140 meter and larger, we found about 40%. Oh, that's a lot less good. We we still need to find the rest of them. How are we going to find the other 60%? Do we just need to keep looking at new places or, or waiting for asteroids with, with even bigger orbits to, to pass near us? Some of it is just time. We just need to be patient and wait. Um, and, you know, like there are ideas like, so NASA wants to put a space-based telescope that is just 
focused on finding asteroids, and it's called the Near Earth Object Surveyor, and that's going to they plan to launch that in 2026. But for right now, Kelly tells us that at the rate we're going, we'll probably find all of these within 30 years. Okay, so then in 30 years, once we find all the city killers, are we in the clear then? Yeah, but then like we would probably need to set the bar a little a little higher too. So we're right now we're looking for asteroids that are 140 meters and larger, but there are smaller ones too. And those smaller ones, like a couple of meters in size, our atmosphere does a really good job uh, taking care of those, disintegrating those. We just see pretty fireballs and uh, and call it a day. But the ones that don't disintegrate, those could still have really big consequences. Yeah, how bad? Could, I don't know, like a, a 20, 30, 40 meter asteroid. How bad could that be? We, we've seen these in our lifetimes um, and they can cause a lot of damage. So in 2013, there was a meteor that exploded over a city in Russia. And that was like, it exploded with the force of more than a nuclear weapon. They were like dash cam recordings of this, right? I, I feel like I remember seeing them. It, it was it was widely documented. It's the biggest meteor in more than a century to hit the planet. A thousand people were injured from shards of flying glass and debris. You saw the explosion from dash cams. You saw windows break. And this asteroid, you know, when it's in the atmosphere, you start to call it, you call it a meteor, but same thing. You know, it was less than 20 meters, and it exploded far enough away from people that, like, it wasn't, you know, this mass, like, death event. But it did, like, hurt a lot of people. It did cause a lot of damage. And that was, like, a little bitty asteroid. Did scientists know this was coming? No, no, they did not know it was coming. If you knew it was coming, you'd, like, get people out of the city, I had hope. Uh, yeah, that feels not great. Yeah, even even medium-sized asteroids can definitely sneak up on us. So in 2019, there was this asteroid that was really quite a bit bigger than the one that exploded over Russia. It, it was something more like 100 meters. The Washington Post reports NASA has confirmed a so-called city killer asteroid narrowly missed hitting Earth. It passed, but it was pretty close. It, it came in between the distance between the Earth and the Moon. So, you know, it, it's that's kind of like disconcertingly close. And we just were surprised. What's more alarming, scientists say they had no idea it was coming. That is alarming. <laughs> They're supposed to know. Whoops. And these medium-sized, you know, city-killer asteroids, every century maybe there would be like one in a hundred chance these things would hit somewhere. But, you know, there's still a chance. And... We need to have a plan for it. The odds are so slim, maybe not in our lifetime, our children's lifetimes, their children's, but wouldn't you like to know, just to be sure? If scientists are looking off into space and they find one of these asteroids coming towards us, say it's like a medium-sized 140-meter asteroid, is there anything they can do about it? Can they, you know, pull a Bruce Willis and go up there and, and get it out of the way? Well, maybe. <laughs> and there are a few different options here, but we're not sure what would happen if we tried to push an asteroid out of the way. And NASA's actually trying to figure that out right now. So we've got a basic idea of how to find and track them. But what happens if we actually do find one that's heading right towards Earth? 
Oh, personally, I'm gonna like find a table to like hide under and, and just cower. Yeah, and just hide from the asteroid. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hide. But but on a societal level, yes, there are some there are some ideas out there of how to like get rid of an asteroid. Yeah, what kind of ideas? You know, there's some wild ones of like, you know, you could just try to bomb it like with nuclear weapons. Or like send oil drillers like Armageddon style to drill into <laughs> it and, and bomb it from the inside. We're not astronauts, we're oil drillers. We're not even supposed to be here. I honestly don't know about drilling into an asteroid, but I do know like this, the idea of kind of detonating a nuclear explosion near one is an idea that's discussed seriously, but like that's not exactly the place you want to start with, with, uh, you know, dealing with an asteroid. Like nuclear weapons are obviously dangerous. And also like if you, if you do detonate one of these weapons and it does like blow up an asteroid, like, the pieces of that asteroid could, like, potentially, like, come back together because of gravity. They could do unpredictable things. Like, the pieces might be able to hit us, too, right? Yeah, it's kind of, like, a big, messy, like, it's like the sledgehammer approach to to this problem. And and there actually might be, like, a simpler and, and dare I say, more more elegant way of dealing with it. What's, like, a simpler option? Well, the simplest option is to try to nudge an asteroid. Nudge it. Just, like, give it a little boop, you know, like, boop. How do you you boop an asteroid? NASA is actually in the process of, it's launched an experiment to see if they can boop an asteroid. It's called the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART. What's DART going to do exactly? It's going to do something kind of beautifully simple. Like, it's just going to try to slam into an asteroid, and then on Earth, scientists are going to look at it and to see what happens, to see if we can actually change an asteroid's orbit. So the idea is, like, the spaceship would slam into the asteroid and just the force of that slamming... doesn't really sound like a boop. It sounds like a huge slamming into well, an asteroid. What's a boop on like the cosmic scale? You know, like what are we but cosmic boops? It's like a boop compared to like what happened to Jupiter. Like that was a that was a boom. This is this is a boop. I don't know. <laughs> so what 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 asteroid are they aiming for? What asteroid are they trying to boop out of the way? So they they chose an asteroid that's like actually it's it's close enough to Earth where we can get to it and like observe what happens when this spacecraft hits into it. But they did choose one weird thing. So the asteroid that we're going to hit is actually a little asteroid that orbits a bigger asteroid, like the moon orbits the Earth. What? Yeah. Okay. So so this this mini asteroid is called a moonlet. And a moonlet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's cute. But basically, mm-hmm. like they're targeting this little moonlit asteroid because, like, you know, you don't want to like boop something in space and then have it hit into something important like us. So basically they chose this moonlet because they can like change the orbit of the moonlet around the bigger asteroid. And it's like unlikely to do anything bad. But it also serves as a proof of concept because an orbit is an orbit. So if you can change the orbit of this this moonlet, then you can change the orbit of an asteroid. And when's this going to happen? So this is underway. NASA launched a spacecraft last year, and it's targeting an impact later this year, later in the fall. I spoke to science writer Robin George Andrews, who did a lot of reporting on this, and he told me all about how this could play out. Yeah, so it's one of these things that's kind of, it's 
it's it's kind of remarkably simple. Essentially, NASA has released a spacecraft, and it's going to hunt down uh, an asteroid orbiting another asteroid, and it's going to smash into that asteroid and see if it can change its orbit. Really, they're, they're essentially playing space billiards and seeing if it works. Yeah. So, so this is just to be clear: this has never been tried before. No, this has never been tried before. Now, this is the first time humanity has tried to flick an asteroid in a different direction. And this the spacecraft that's going to try to do this, DART, what is it? What does it look like? Yeah, so DART is essentially a box uh, with solar panel wings. Um, so it's kind of like a car-sized robot with an eye, <laughs> with a single eye, with two fairly long wings coming out either side sort of thing. And the target of this mission uh, is a moonlet called Dimorphos, which is 160 meters across. So DART will crash into uh, this moonlet at 24,000 kilometers an hour, which is certainly breakneck speed. It's faster than any uh, collision that happens in our everyday experience on Earth. So it will, it will be it will be quite the wallop, um, you know. Considering that this is a car-sized spacecraft, it's really going to hit this moonlet with quite a lot of momentum. You know, it's it's not a little poke. So this this spacecraft's going to slam into this asteroid that's orbiting another asteroid. Like, what would they hope to see mm. when that happens? So the, the moonlet is going around once every 12 hours-ish, and they're hoping to change its orbit by at least 73 seconds. I'm not quite sure why 73, but it's just <laughs> by a matter of, like, over a minute kind of thing. And obviously, they don't want to still hear communications from Dart. If Dart is still chattering away after it's supposed to have hit this <laughs> moonlet, then something has gone has gone wrong sort of thing. So um, they really want to see an explosion, actually, rather than a, than a calm happy spacecraft. What are the reasons why maybe this won't work? So um, the first one is the shape of the asteroid. So um, one of the scientists I was speaking to about this mission was jokingly handed a donut-shaped fridge magnet because there is a chance that the, the the small asteroid could be shaped so weirdly it might have a hole in the middle, so it might just go right through the middle. Um, but, <laughs> which, can you imagine that? Like, thread in the needle. I mean, that'd uh, be, That would be hilarious. That would be yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it would be hilarious. Okay, so that's one thing that could go wrong. That's one thing that could go wrong. Also, if um, it's, it's like the assumption that all its mass is distributed evenly uh, may not be true. In, in zero or low gravity environments anyway, Rocks just behave slightly differently to the ones on Earth, where gravity is squashing everything together. You know, so it's they could be they they could be quite honeycomb shaped in the inside or foamy, like cappuccino foam kind of thing. And if you hit that at twenty four thousand kilometers an hour, will it just split it into millions of pieces, or will it go straight through it, or will it still be cohesive enough to take that impact, transfer the momentum, and deflect it? No one actually knows the answers to any of these questions, so that's why they're decide to, you know, they're going to whack this asteroid and see what happens. So are those the two big ones that might go wrong, like it goes through the center hole? Or if it turns out this asteroid isn't all that dense, or at least a part of it isn't that dense, it can kind of like cushion the impact or could do weird things to the impact that are that are kind of hard to predict. Yeah. The thing is, even if, he, if you hit it and it kind of smashes into loads of pieces, that's not necessarily a bad result. It just kind of suggests that maybe if you need to deflect an asteroid for real... You just deflect it 
you don't hit it as hard. You hit it a lot softer. And maybe you hit it a few little times to deflect it out of the way sort of thing. So it's like, it, basically this test is answering how big a wallop do we need to give these city killer asteroids to save the planet if we need to. If DART does work and it turns out that it's possible to deflect an asteroid, what do we do in the future if we find an asteroid that's coming at us? Um, so ideally what you want to do is spot these asteroids way ahead, you know, a decade or more in advance. And then you can send a precursor mission to either observe it beforehand so you get a better idea of what it's like, like an orbiter or something, or you get a little small impactor to just poke it just to see how it responds to that initial prod. You could then send a dart-like mission um, to kind of deflect these asteroids. Like, it sounds like in the next few decades, potentially, we can solve this problem for the rest of humanity. Yeah, which hopefully absolutely. will go on for a while. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in that in that sense, like it's funny balancing those things because like hearing about asteroids and like I know I have bigger things to worry about in the world, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> uh, you know infection risk being a huge salient one these days. But you know, just thinking about yeah, we need to prepare for future pandemics and future natural disasters. But also, like, that doesn't mean we can't also have this, like, intergenerational approach that we mm, can save mm. lives in the year 2200. It's something we should, we should want to do. Yeah. And in an ideal world, if that is possible, and that is the first piece of this, then it's uh, extraordinary. It's the one natural disaster, essentially, that you could cancel out. Um, essentially, you can't, you can't stop a volcano erupting or an earthquake happening or hurricanes in that way. You can mitigate the damage, but, you know. But an asteroid is, if you just flick it out the way of the Earth, the threat is gone. Yeah, and that you're saying that is kind of making me feel like DART is something to feel really good about. Like, I don't know, maybe in the year 2200, DART will be a historic hailed thing because it helped avert a disaster. And, you know, that's something collectively as humanity, even though we might not avert this disaster in our lifetimes, we could potentially feel good about that, you know, on the long list of problems to solve and to, and disasters to mitigate, maybe we can actually solve one. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just really a testament to scientific know-how and and, um, you know, international cooperation that you can get a mission like this kind of going, which has so many scientists working around the world to do it. And I do think that, what, just imagine one day, you know, uh, there is uh, a city killer asteroid heading towards Earth and in 10 years' time and a descendant of DART manages to deflect it out of the way, saving millions or maybe billions of lives, depending on how big this thing actually is. You know, DART will be the first step in that and it will be one of the greatest human achievements, really. <laughs> you know, the planet is protected, it's defended, and, and that's kind of a, an amazing thing to think about. This episode was reported by Brian Resnick and produced by me, Manning Wynn. There was editing from Catherine Wells, Meredith Hodnott, and Noam Hassenfell, who also did the scoring for this episode. Richard Seema checks the facts, and Christian Ayala was on the mixing and sound design. The Unexplainable team also includes Bert Pinkerton, and Liz Kelly Nelson is a VP of Vox Audio. Email us at unexplainable at vox.com if you have any thoughts on the show. 
And if you feel like leaving us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, I know we'd all really appreciate it. Unexplainable is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network, and we'll see you next Wednesday. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.